We're moving into a new year and we may wonder what 2022 holds in store for us. I mean, because we all thought 2021 was going to be better than 2020, yet here we are. Well, may the light and glory of God be evident as we step into 2022. Welcome to Bible Studies for Life adult podcast, hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And uh, we're glad that you have joined us for this podcast. So, Chris, here we are. We're talking about uh, 2022. We are moving into this uh, new year. Is there anything you're looking forward to as we move into a new year? So, um, I like New Year. Uh, my dad was a, was born on New Year's Day, so we always celebrate my dad's birthday on New Year's. And um, I've, I've just always enjoyed um, just the opportunity to reflect on the old and that this is a clean slate. We get to start over now. I'm not big on uh, uh, making New Year's resolutions and those kind of things, but there's just there is something about starting fresh, starting over, and uh, hope does spring eternal. We hope that uh, 2022 will be better, that some type of normal will happen for us. Well, there you go. I agree with that, Chris, very much. And uh, joining Chris and I is Dr. Greg Pouncey. Uh, Greg is the senior pastor at First Baptist Church, Clinton, Mississippi. So, Greg, we are glad that you've taken the moment, spent a few time, uh, a few minutes with us in this podcast. Well, glad to be here. Good. Well, uh, Greg, I'm going to ask you that same question. Now that we're moving into a brand new year, is there anything in particular you're looking forward to? I have a couple of things that I'm really looking forward to in 2022. Uh, One of those is the birth of our fourth grandchild. Uh, We have uh, two granddaughters. We have a grandson. And then uh, either we're going to have a late 2021 or early 2022 uh, grandson. And so I can't wait for him to get here. And then secondly, I'm going to be leading a, a Steps of Paul tour in Greece. And this will be my first time leading that tour. So I'm very excited to be able to do that in the new year. And Greg, you have done several Holy Land tours. If I'm, am, I, am I saying that correctly? That's correct. I've got one in November of this year. Dr. Pouncey is with us today because he is one of our riders. Uh, Greg has written for us, gosh, many, many times. Uh, for what we call our advanced Bible study. Many of you are are faithful readers of that commentary. And Greg just does a phenomenal job of unpacking the scripture in a way that uh, we can understand. And and Greg, you've been writing for LifeWay since 1995. uh, You've got a lot of nouns and and participles under your belt. So uh, thanks for writing. Oh, I enjoy writing. It's a great extension of our, my ministry as a pastor. So, Greg, uh, I was intrigued with the story that you told uh, at the beginning of this session uh, where, and again, not all of our listeners will uh, necessarily uh, read advance. So tell these folks about the story that you, that you introduced the study with about your uh, having the chance to meet a legendary figure. Well, I'm from Alabama, and in Alabama, when you are born, you have to declare either you are an Alabama (laughs) fan or an Auburn fan, and so uh, I was among the Alabama fans, but uh, all of my life, I heard stories about Bear Bryant. I watched him on TV, and 
I thought I knew everything about him. I read a book a review. I did a book review about him in sixth grade. And I just thought, wow, I know everything about this guy. And uh, then when I was in junior high, I had the opportunity to go to his office and uh, visit with him for a few minutes. I sat on the couch. And today, if you go in the Bryant Museum, that couch is sitting there with his desk and uh, brings back a lot of memories to me. But uh, there were a lot of things that were ac extremely accurate about Bear Bryant. He was very large. Uh, when he talked, he growled. You really couldn't understand much of what he said. I just said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, that's about all that I, I did. But uh, one of the things I did not know about him was just how gracious and kind that he was to just take they were preparing for a big game against Miami and uh, he took time with a junior high student and just encouraged me he told me one day I'd play for Alabama of course I was only 130 pounds and that didn't work <laughs> out too good but um, the whole well, point of me using that story was just to show that you know we may think we know a person uh, without having a relationship with them but in this lesson it really uh, just brings home the point that Jesus Christ is the light and the glory of God. And if we're going to know our father who we can't see, then we need to look at him through the lens of Jesus who we can see. And so that's why I use that illustration in the beginning. Thank you for uh, setting us up. Uh, you, you mentioned the, the title uh, of our session, the light and glory of God. And Lynn, I'm going to uh, catch you by surprise here. We didn't talk about this ahead of time. Uh, I've noticed in our developing of content that you gravitate toward and um, help us to develop outlines that point to this concept, this idea of the glory of God and the importance of it. And so personally, as people I work with you and we do podcasts together and people listen to you. What is it about the glory of God that just grabs you and causes you to say, we, we really need to talk about this and, and, help, and, under, and, and help people to understand what this is? We tend to focus on our world on ourselves. We're very self-centered. Uh, even when we pray, it tends to be, there even tends to be a, a tendency of our prayers to be about self, what I need and what I want. Not that what I need is not something not to we, we should ignore in our prayers. But even you look at the model prayer where Jesus started, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And there is that first request that what we do needs to honor him, bring glory to him. Now, I'm not praying that God could be more glorified. I mean, he, he's, or in the sense, I can't bring him any more holiness or glory than he already has. But there's that prayer that he would be seen as glorious. That what I'm praying, even the request I'm praying for myself, God answer this in a way that brings glory to you. I just, I don't know, Chris, where that comes from. It's just every time I read the scripture and I'm challenged, it's in my area. What can I do in this to bring glory to God? And, and that's what I love about this passage is we look at Simeon. Uh, his focus on, you know, bringing glory to him. Jesus uh, is the one who reveals God's glory and love. Simeon just lifts that up. So tell us, get us started talking about Simeon. Well, okay. Well, what we're doing here is uh, this study is, uh, as we've been in the study of refutable, irrefutable, uh, what we've been doing is we've always looked at an Old Testament passage. And then we, we follow that up with uh, an Old Testament prophecy. We follow that up with looking at the Fulfillment of that uh, in, the, in the Christmas narrative, the, it's uh, Matthew or the Luke narratives about the birth of Jesus. 
This one is different because we're still going to look at a prophecy, but we're going to look at one that's actually included in the the, uh, Christmas narrative, which is the story of Simeon. Uh, We're going to pick this up in Luke chapter 2 as we we look at this story. Not much about Simeon is here, uh, but what is here is phenomenal. Uh, So, Chris, let me me just read uh, Luke 2. I'm going to begin verse 25. And then, Chris, I'm going to turn it over to you and Greg and let you guys just react to uh, this incredible passage. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was with him. And it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. So, Greg, I always assumed that uh, Simeon was either a priest or a Pharisee. No, that's uh, never says that. And that's what's remarkable to me about the passage is he seems to be just an ordinary person that has received this promise of God. And he's hanging on to this promise that he's going to see Jesus, he's going to see the Messiah and he's not giving up until that happens. And so he lives his life every day in the power of the Holy Spirit and with the hope of, of a Messiah's coming, even though maybe his eyes haven't seen that. And then one day God puts him in the right place at the right time. And that is in the temple, probably in the court of the Gentiles. And there, uh, you know, we think temple, we think church building, but when you think of temple in that day, it was kind of the center of the city. That's where the activity took place, was out in the outer courts of the temple. And so he's out there mingling where all the people are, and lo and behold, here comes Jesus. And uh, he sees him with his own eyes and recognizes in some way that this is the Messiah. And uh, I just love his expectation level. I love that he puts himself in a place where uh, he's open to the leadership of the Holy Spirit and Uh, you know, sometimes I look at my own life and I come with such low expectations for what God is going to do around me. Uh, and I, and it really challenges me to look at Simeon and to see that he lived his life that way, uh, every day and that he put himself in that place where he could see Jesus. And and Greg, what I I find fascinating too, in that you see, you know, he lived his life every day in this anticipation. We don't know when this uh, was revealed to him that he would not die before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Was it the week before? It, it, could, it could have been 10, 15, 20 plus years earlier. But here was this man who was dedicated and committed that he was there. I mean, he was eagerly anticipating uh, that moment when he would see the Messiah. I appreciate the fact that um, here before this passage, uh, in Luke 2. Uh, Luke really gives a lot of emphasis to the work uh, and the, the movement of the Holy Spirit in, in the stories of, of Jesus coming. Uh, and throughout the gospel, even into the book of Acts, he, he really focuses on um, the role uh, of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. And just so from the outset to read about Simeon as a man um, who is led by the Holy Spirit uh, to this divine appointment where he uh, encounters Jesus. Really a cool thing. Right. We really learn enough about Simeon in this passage to know he's the kind of person who we really kind of view as a pattern for our lives, that, that eager anticipation of the Lord in that. Uh, in this passage, it wraps up at, at verse 27. It simply says, as we've already referred to, he's guided by the Holy Spirit and he entered the temple. 
and just kind of sets the stage to uh, now we're going to be introduced to uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. Uh, This is the second half of verse 27, where it says, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms, praised God and said, now, master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people in Israel. So we have this young couple who who seem to be doing their religious duty. And Greg, I want you to speak to some of what that entailed, some of uh, uh, of the requirements of the law um, as far as when a child was born, especially a firstborn child. Um, and then this old guy comes <laughs> and begins to praise God. So it's an incredible moment. But uh, tell us a little bit about this, the religious duty of this young couple that they, they were just fulfilling their responsibilities. Well, after a child was born, they uh, had to withdraw for a certain number of days, and then they would come to the temple, and there there was actually a tax that they had to pay on behalf of that child, and that's probably the reason they had come to this temple. And that tax would have most likely have been paid there in the court of the Gentiles. And so as they're entering in, uh, here he is coming with expectation. They have no expectations of that day at all. They're just bringing their child, doing their customary thing, uh, that they are doing on that day. And so as they arrive there in the temple, uh, up comes this old man and the, he comes to them and uh, with these words that just must seem shocking to them that he's going to be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. And keep in mind, they're in the most one of the most segregated places. There's a court of Gentiles where only Gentiles go. If you go beyond that, there's a court of women where only uh, women who are Jewish uh, could go. And then beyond that, you have the court of Israel, which is where the men could go. And so you're in one of the more segregated places in in that society. And he's coming up and saying, this child right here is not just for the Jews, but this child is also for the Gentiles. And that is way ahead of its time in in the Gospel of Luke and even in the ministry of Jesus. Uh, you know, there are going to be times where, uh, you know, this issue arises about are you called to the house of Israel or are you called to the Gentiles? And uh, certainly uh, Jesus uh, is going to be uh, a Messiah for all. And he's in the perfect place for that to have manifested itself in the court of the Gentiles. And uh, so to me, it's a really uh, eye-opening passage for his parents to stop and think, uh, I mean, I, I mentioned this grandchild that's going to be born, and just imagine how you would feel. You have a child, and and someone comes and says these kind of words about your child. Uh, even if you know something is different about this child, and certainly they did, he was born of a virgin. Uh, but just to hear those words come from somebody else, that was probably an amazing moment. And this is a moment that Simeon had, in a sense, been looking forward to because he knew one day it was going to happen. So I I dare say Simeon did not come up and realize by the Spirit, this is the Messiah. He he did not take that baby in his hands and then turn and whisper to Mary and Joseph. Hey, now, let me tell you that. (laughs) You you know, he was excited. And that praise, what we read here, now, Master, I, I dare say he probably shouted that. And all the people that were in that court area around that heard this heard this prophecy, heard this proclamation, 
And even this, uh, as you point out, this shocking proclamation that it was for the Jews and the Gentiles. Uh, what a testimony to those who were happy to be in the temple that day. Even go today ahead. in Israel, when you go to the temple area and to uh, the area around the Western Wall, uh, you know, it's just buzzing with excitement uh, in those places. And people are coming to pray. People are coming to read Torah. And it, it, and when something like this happens, it, it's, it, it does. It gets everyone's attention. And so I can imagine this is the way it was then as well. So this was not the first time that Luke uh, in the story has told us that Jesus was coming for all people. Uh, That's what uh, the angel declared uh, to the shepherds on the Judean hillside. Uh, But uh, it's an important reminder for for this, for Mary and Joseph and for us uh, to remember that that God was very intentional to send his son, not just for the Jewish people, but for for the whole world. And, and, and this, thank you for bringing that to light um, in this conversation. And what's wonderful, this is a, this is a prophecy. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph uh, in, encouraged their hearts. It was, it was wonderful to hear this. The Simeon is not through prophesying. And I, the next part is going to be a little harder for them to, to hear and to process. And you come to verse 33. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother, Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own own soul that the thoughts of many uh, may be revealed. Like you go from this really high experience of, wow, my son is going to do this. And then all of a sudden, but there's going to be a sword that will pierce you. And uh, certainly this is a reference on her part to what was going to take place at Calvary and how uh, she was going to be uh, broken there and watching her own son die on the cross. And there, even from the cross, Jesus having to make arrangements for her, who's going to take care of her. And he looks down to John and uh, says, woman, behold your son, and son, behold your mother. Uh, he's entrusted her to John's care, and now Jesus, this one who was promised to be such a blessing to all the nations, now is not even able to take care of his own mother. And so that was a sword that I'm sure pierced her uh, in that day and in that time. Uh, as I read this uh, in preparation, I, I was reminded of Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ, who, who just really did a, a magnificent job of capturing um, the emotions of Mary uh, through, throughout the story. And um, uh, I'm sure that there were many times in her life when she reflected uh, on these words from Simeon. Wonder do we see here is that God's plan was in place that uh, the birth of Jesus we know was not a, uh, an afterthought. And certainly when Jesus came to earth, even uh, the cross was no accident. Even at the beginning of Jesus's earthly life, we're looking forward to, there is a moment where he is going to die, but it is for the benefit of the world. Before he talks about the sword, he talks about that this, that the Messiah, Jesus would, uh, cause the fall of many and the rise of many. Those are important words for the church to recognize today. Uh, We have to be uh, diligent to proclaim the message and the good news of Jesus coming. And he is the Messiah. He is the son of God. 
uh, he can change your life. But we, a part of that for us that we don't always talk about um, is that some will accept him and some will reject him. Um, so Simeon said this kind of at the outset of his life, but it, we need to be reminded that uh, there will be those who will be opposed to Jesus. And we don't, we don't take that well as the church, as, as Christians. And what you got, what, what's your all's take on that? Well, I think this is, you know, as we look at this passage, this is a very gospel centered passage in the sense that mm-hmm. it is really calling you to embrace the good news. Um, he will cause you to rise, but if you should uh, reject that, it, he, it, it will cause the stumbling. Uh, and so Jesus is that watershed event. Um, you are for him or you are against him. And, uh, you know, these uh, certainly the way we do evangelism is not uh, as it once was in your face and uh, all uh, just really a, a pressure oriented thing. And it, and it really shouldn't be. But uh, the, the message of the gospel is clear in this passage that this child will be that watershed event. And so beyond all the other discussions that we have about church membership and living a good life and trying to be good and trying to somehow earn God's way, uh, this passage reminds us that it truly really is all about Jesus and the, the position that we take toward Christ. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, uh, Lynn. Uh, I appreciate the fact that we've taken time to look at this uh, passage in Jesus' life, this prophecy from uh, Simeon. So we want to thank those of you who are listening. Uh, we, we appreciate so much that you take the time to, uh, to, to be a part of this podcast. And we do this with you in mind. Uh, grateful, Greg, for you being with us to, to bring some insight as one of our writers. And uh, I just want to thank you. Well, I appreciate it. I usually do a lot of writing, but I haven't had the opportunity to talk about it until today. Oh, well, good. Well, glad, Glenn, that we have a chance to uh, get Greg started in this podcast world. And I appreciate y'all joining us. And we'll be with you next week as we look at the sixth of our, our sessions of Look at the Prophecies. Next week, we're going to be looking at the, the account of the wise men who came to worship Jesus. 